Good morning. It's a joy and a blessing to be here, isn't it? Well, as you know, brethren, the theme for this year's General Assembly is evangelism in the local church. And that's a great theme. And it's a theme we need to hear. And obviously, it's a theme that we need to be about in our local churches. There are any number of methods or means of evangelism we may try to use in our churches. But this morning, it's not a method of evangelism on which I want to focus, but rather a model of evangelism and a motivation of evangelism, both of which I believe are fundamentally essential for uh, as working heart attitudes to fuel any and all legitimate means of evangelism we may try to incorporate in our churches. I at least am challenged and helped by the model and the motive of evangelism that the Apostle Paul used in his ministry at the local church in Philippi. So turn with me, please, in God's word to Philippians chapter one. Now, I'm going to read something of a lengthy passage this morning, which might not be a good idea with our time constraints. But, brethren, if you'll cut me just a little slack, I'm going to skip around just a little bit in the reading for the sake of time. Philippians chapter one, beginning at verse twenty one. Here in verse 21, we find that great working heart attitude that fueled everything that the Apostle Paul did, including evangelism. Philippians 1, 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in the spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed your opponents, which is a sign for destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. For to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me And now here to be in me. And now we'll hop over to chapter two, beginning at verse five, where Paul would introduce the working heart attitude that was to fuel everything the Philippian believers did, including evangelism. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And God has highly exalted him so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. Verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, 
For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. First of all, a model for evangelism in the local church. And that model is simply this. A life poured out for the sake of the gospel to produce lives poured out for the sake of the gospel. A life poured out for the sake of the gospel to produce lives poured out for the sake of the gospel. Now, brethren, all that we're going to see and think about in the next few moments is happening within the context of the local church at Philippi. Paul writes of his life in chapter 2, verse 17. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Paul compares his life and his ministry for the sake of the Philippian saints to a drink offering. This is an allusion to a form of Old Testament sacrifice mentioned some 60 times in the Scriptures. A drink offering was a prescribed portion of wine that was to be poured out at the altar. And the characteristics of a drink offering were a drink offering was never, ever offered alone. A drink offering was always offered in conjunction with, upon another sacrifice. And it was always poured out completely and expelled and here Paul refers his life and his ministry as that. As a drink offering. Poured out as drink offerings were upon another sacrifice. And the other sacrifice in view is obvious. He's being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and the service of the Philippians' faith. That's what he's writing about in 124 and 125. He says, for me, it is much better for me to go and to be with Christ, but yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. I'm convinced of this. I know shall remain and continue with you all for your progress, your joy in the faith. He's saying to them, I am serving Christ in the gospel by being poured out for you, for the advancement and progress of your faith that you in turn might come to serve Christ in the gospel where you are. We can trace this poured out ministry of Paul's for the sake of the Philippians through the book of Acts. Paul's initial evangelism among them came in his second missionary journey. In his own response, his own obedient response to the Macedonian call. And so he goes to Philippi and he takes the gospel for the very first time to Europe. And sitting here this morning, can't we be glad that he did? Since in the kind, good providence of God, the gospel has come to us from Europe. In his very first evangelistic efforts there, Paul makes his way down to the riverside on the Sabbath day. He knew that if there were any Jews in remote Philippi, they would congregate themselves down by the river on the Sabbath day. It was a tradition begun by Jews during the Babylonian captivity, still practiced by Jews in Paul's day for those who lived outside the borders of Palestine. So he makes his way down to the riverside on the Sabbath day, and sure enough, he encounters a small group 
of Jews there. The Apostle Paul knew where and how to engage the culture he was seeking to minister the gospel to. And he preaches the gospel. Lydia is converted. And we find in Acts 16 and 18 that Paul continues to preach the gospel for many days in Philippi. And of course, he lands in prison. But is he grumbling? Is he complaining in prison? There in the inner prison and in the stocks? No, he's worshiping. He's joyful. He's singing at midnight, which affords him the opportunity to preach the gospel there. The Philippian jailer saved his family. Saved. And before Paul leaves Philippi, he plants the seeds of what will become the local church there. His evangelistic ministry was inextricably tied to the establishment of and the advancement of local churches. It would be in Paul's third missionary journey that he would visit Philippi not once, but twice. And we read in Acts 20 that when he was there, it was during this time that he gave the Philippian believers much exhortation. In his ministry to them, Paul was fully fleshing out our Lord's great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Go and make those disciples, preach the gospel to them, mark those disciples, baptize them, mature those disciples, teach them all things that I have commanded you. And as Paul is giving them much exhortation, he's fleshing out that maturity of teaching these believers to observe all that Christ had commanded them. And now writing to them from far away Rome, his pastor's heart is still coming through. He's still pouring his life out as a drink offering upon their faith. He's still serving them. He's still teaching them to obey. This is what he writes in 2.12. Just as you have always obeyed, so even now continue to obey. Even now continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying to them, you Philippians, work out the large, life-penetrating, life-orienting implications of the gospel. Work out your salvation in your thoughts, in your marriages, in your homes, at church. At work, and then verse 14, and do all of this without grumbling and complaining. Why? Verse 15 of chapter 2. That, verse 15, begins with a purpose statement. Philippians, continue to obey Christ. Continue to work out your salvation in the details of your life so that you Philippians in Philippi might show yourselves blameless. Innocent, innocent as doves, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast, and as the margin allows also, holding forth the word of life in your world. Brethren, there's no neo-monastic mentality being cultivated here. There's no Christian ghetto mentality being fertilized here. In other words, there's no mentality of stay away and run for the hills and isolate yourselves from broken and sinful people in Philippi. But what is being cultivated and fertilized among these believers is a 
pour yourself out for the gospel's sake in Philippi mentality. Paul was saying to these believers, you live in the midst of a people who are crooked. Scolios. We hear our word scoliosis coming out. They're crooked in their minds. They're crooked in their thinking. They're crooked in their lives. They're perverse. It means they're corrupt through and through. They're people who uh, are, they live in darkness. They're people who are dead, spiritually dead without the word of life. So you Philippians, you be careful and you be consistent. You obey God in all things and you work out your salvation in the details of your life so that grumbling and complaining people in Philippi will see and hear worshiping and joyful people in Philippi because of the gospel. That crooked people in Philippi will see the powerful straightening effects of saving grace in your lives in Philippi. So that corrupt people in Philippi will see the powerful, purifying, ripple effects of the gospel penetrating your lives. So that people in darkness in Philippi will see you as you are there, as shining lights, as gospel luminaries, shining in their dark worlds. So that spiritually dead people in Philippi will see you holding fast to the word of life and holding forth the word of life, which is the only answer to their spiritual deadness. Paul is saying to these believers there, to these members of this local church at Philippi, be involved in the evangelism of Philippi. And so we have here, we have a picture of a pastor whose life is poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of a local church in the evangelism of that local church, in the establishment of that local church, in the education of that local church, so as to produce lives in that local church that are poured out for evangelism within the context of that local church. It's the model of a life poured out for the sake of the gospel to produce lives poured out for the sake of the gospel. And brethren, as pastors, God help us to be about that in our local churches. But you know full well that neither we nor our churches will ever be able to do that in and of ourselves. If no other reason but because of our own personal limitations. But in addition to our personal limitations, lost people will never fuel ministry to lost people, at least not for the long haul. We need a motivation in us that will fuel life poured out evangelism in the local church. And that motivation for evangelism is in this passage also. The motivation for evangelism in the local church is the life poured out in the gospel, namely Christ's life poured out for us. And so we go back to Paul's working heart attitude in 121. For me to live is Christ. For me to evangelize is Christ. For me to pour my life out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith is Christ. Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And we come back to that working heart attitude that was to fuel everything the Philippians were to do. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ, who although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he Indeed, himself 
He poured out Himself, as it were, upon the cross for your redemption. Beloved, the starting point of evangelism in the local church is not crooked and corrupt people with their desperate needs. Please don't get me wrong. That's a motivation for evangelism in the local church, but it's not the motivation for evangelism. You and I and the people in our churches, we will run out of gas if our motivation to evangelize lost people is lost people. Because of those very reasons that Paul gave as warnings to the Philippian believers in 128 and 129, says you live in a way that um, shines with the gospel. But as you do, you're going to know those people who oppose you. You're going to know those people who are going to persecute you. You're going to experience the same kind of sufferings that you hear me to be in. But he says, but to you has been given a valueless treasure. A great prize. Because it's been given to you not only to believe in Christ's name, but to suffer for His sake. To serve the one who has suffered for you. The ultimate motivation for evangelism in the local church is Christ. And Christ's life having been poured out for our sake and for the sake of His church. And so that becomes then the practical outworking in the context of evangelism of 1 John 4.19. We love Him because and only because He first loved us. And so we pour our lives out for Christ and for the Gospel's sake and for others' sake. Because and only because and ultimately because Christ first poured out His life for our sake. Again, brethren, God, help us to be about this kind of evangelism in our local churches for Christ's sake and His glory. Thank you.